Welcome to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Uh, another episode. Um, today we have James Dunavat from the, um, Oklahoma with uh, the director of the Free Market Medical Association. James, how are you? Great, how are you? I apologize that I'm on the road to a Mises Institute um, event, so I'm in the middle of Texas in a parking lot. So, um, appreciate your patience with me. Well, I appreciate you coming back on the show. Um, we had such good content Monday. We wanted to uh, make sure that we, we got it out there so we can share it with others. So speaking of that, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, my name is James Devlin. Um, I, As you said, I live in Oklahoma City. <clears throat> I grew up in Tennessee. Uh, spent the early part of my career in sales and marketing and the publishing uh, book distribution industry became a free market thinker um, probably right after college, um, reading a lot of the works of uh, Ludwig von Mises. Uh, I, I currently work for the Mises Institute full-time and for the uh, Free Market Medical Association. The Mises Institute is a, an educational um, research institute that really specializes in in the Austrian School of Economics, so really that is my background over the last several years is working with them. They came to work for the for the Free Market uh, Medical Association with Dr. Keith Smith and Jade Kempton in April, so I'm very new to that organization, but uh, there's a lot of synergies between the two organizations. That's wonderful. So when did the Free Market, Free Market Medical Association start? It started in 2014 after uh, Dr. Keith Smith and uh, Jay Kempton, uh, many uh, had been working together uh, for uh, several years, but they, they decided that they wanted to uh, create an organization where they could teach others around the country how to implement free market principles in uh, medicine and healthcare. All right, so um, what is the purpose of the Free Market Medical Association? Go into a little bit more detail. Yeah, the, the Free Market Medical Association, or the FMMA, is an organization, an association that brings together buyers and sellers of health care goods and services and really performs a much-needed educational function to teach people uh, about the free market and how it can work in healthcare. It seems like uh, many people re seem to think that that medicine and healthcare is one area that the free market cannot work, and uh, we're really demonstrating uh, how those principles can be applied in healthcare. So, tell us a little bit about what you mean by the free market working in healthcare. Well, the basis of a free market is uh, the direct relationship between a buyer and a seller. Uh, with a transparent, honest price. And so you have to have a price mechanism in the market uh, to really allocate resources um, in the free market. Uh, both the buyer and the seller win, or that transaction never happens in the first place. Um, so it really is a win-win proposition. Well, in healthcare, in the current uh, state of the healthcare system today, there are a lot of middlemen and uh, intermediaries that get in between the buyer and the seller. Uh, we have, obviously, the, the federal government. We have um, third-party payment 
services like insurance carriers that really don't perform insurance services anymore. They're really a payment mechanism. Um, in um, the employer world, we have brokers, we have third-party administrators, which may not necessarily add any value to that transaction. So the free market, the market is to really uh, bring the buyer and seller together as closely as possible. And if there are any intermediaries that are in the, are in the system, they should be facilitating value for that buyer and seller. So you mentioned you mentioned earlier Dr. Keith Smith, um, and will you will you tell us a little bit of background because I think he's kind of instrumental in setting up the the Free Market Medical Association for what you say. Yeah, he is a co-founder of the Free Market Medical Association. Dr. Keith Smith is an anesthesiologist in Oklahoma City who co-founded the Surgery Center of Oklahoma about 20 years ago, and for approximately the last 10 years. Uh, I think it was about 1999 or so. Well, no, it was after that. Uh, but at least the last 10 years, they've been posting their prices online. So they created a bundled cash out the door price, which really um, required full transparency between the surgeon, between the facility, and between the um, anyone else that might you know, produce a device that would be used in that surgery, they had to come together and say, okay, what what would be your price for this service? And then they came up with a bundled price. So when you go to the Surgery Center of Oklahoma's website, when you see a price, there is no hidden fees or anything. That is the full cash out the door price. And so they've been doing that. And when they originally started, they attracted a lot of uh, patients from Canada that had been on waiting lists in Canada, they needed a place to go and they didn't want to wait three years for a hysterectomy to be performed in their free healthcare system. So they would come to camp to come to Oklahoma City. And then whenever Dr. Smith and Jay Kempton, who is a third party administrator for uh, self-funded employers in Oklahoma City, they met that and then um, what the Kempton Group started doing was uh, helping their clients, the self-insured employers, go to the Surgery Center of Oklahoma or direct their employees to the Surgery Center of Oklahoma because the self-funded employer is essentially a cash buyer. Wow, that's that's pretty revolutionary. So was there any pushback when he opened the Surgery Center? I mean, from you know other other competition or anything? Well, yes, of course, because um, the in the big insurance companies really their their largest client is not their client is not the patient. It's not the physician. They, their biggest customer is the hospital system, and so when the hospital system loses starts losing money or revenue to a place like the Surgery Center of Oklahoma. The big insurance carriers will try to do just about anything to please the hospitals. So, you know, they, they work together like a cartel and, and really did try to shut down and, and tell employers they can't use the surgery center of Oklahoma. So what, what they will generally try to do is make an employer sign a contract to say that they will not go to a cash facility like the surgery center of Oklahoma. It sounds crazy, but so... 
they did things like that, and that's really what drove uh, Dr. Smith and his partners to post their prices online and say, well, we'll let the market decide, and that is going to be our value, and that separates us from everyone else is that we do have transparent pricing. So can you give us an example of, of some pricing differences on certain surgeries and how there's a savings? The sad thing is, is, is that you know they're really outside of a free market cash system. You know, in one city, you might have a wide range of prices, and most people don't even know what those. Most providers may not even be able to tell you what the price is in advance. Um, but one example, I've heard, you know, an example would be like a hernia repair, for instance, could go from anywhere from twelve to thirty thousand dollars in a hospital system whereas the cash you know bundled price is a little over three thousand dollars so in general most um, most procedures at the surgery center of Oklahoma or a free market um, cash transparent cash provider are going to be six to ten times less expensive than the typical hospital. And that's not because the surgeons at the Surgery Center of Oklahoma are somehow, you know, inferior or or some, you know, a, re, some, a new uh, doctor that's never performed the surgery. So these are the highest quality physicians. Where the cost is driven up in the system is the facility fees that hospitals can charge. And they're also incentivized to raise the list price as high as possible because they keep their nonprofit status by claiming that they've, you know, lost all this money whenever they discount it for an insur- for the insurance company. And the insurance company on the other side of the equation is writing a contract with employers that pays them based on the discount that they are able to get for that employer. And so the insurance company naturally has has an incentive, a very perverse incentive, for the list price of a procedure to be ten times higher than what it really should be, because once they quote discount the price or get a discount off of that procedure, then they claim that they've you know saved their employer a lot of money when that's really not the case. Yeah, it, it, only only in healthcare have I ever seen that kind of crazy accounting. I I sat on a public hospital board a few years back, and I always thought it was amazing how they would, you know, have a hundred thousand dollars, but they wrote off sixty thousand of it. When in reality, you know, the bill shouldn't have been a hundred thousand dollars in the first place. Nobody pays that hundred thousand dollars. So, and they write it off as kind of like charity or something. They act like they're losing money. It is, and most. Big healthcare organizations do that, and I think it's just the craziest accounting I've ever seen. There's no other industry like it, and I think partly it's because of that third party you're talking about that's involved, those big insurance carriers, you know, so they can, the hospital can, you know, tell them what a good deal they're getting because, you know, they're sending them all this business. I, I think people really need to know that, that nobody really pays that price. Right. And they're they're masters of marketing. So everywhere you go, you see billboards for you know the 
you know, the big hospital systems, the hospitals are very connected in every community. They're the largest employer in every community. They, for the most part, they're probably the biggest campaign contributor to all of the politicians in your state. Uh, so there's just a lot of cronyism across the board at every level, whether it's the local government, the state government, and of course, the federal government as well. Um, both parties accept lots of campaign donations from the American Hospital Association, the, the drug pharmaceutical companies, and from big insurance. Right. So we really have a, a very much a crony capitalist system that's not really a capitalist system in healthcare. So you talk about the Free Market Medical Association. So are there other uh, examples of entities, you know, that aren't necessarily surgery centers that are are kind of playing into this free market? Well, yeah, um, a lot of you know the big savings. Well, of course, for an employer for individuals is in those surgical procedures, especially orthopedics. So, the, you know, the where this really starts in a lot of ways, like orthopedic surgeons. Um, so a lot of this is starting with physician-owned um, practices. And that's really a key, I think. Uh, this free market medical movement is almost like, I see it as sort of a revolution or a declaration of independence in the sense that the people that are part of it are are those that are refusing to um, be part of the, you know, the, the corporate corporate structure. I mean, whether it's a DPC doctor that has said, I'm not going to be an employee of a hospital. Um, and, and let's go back, you know, to, to um, the blame should go to the federal government again, because they have passed so many regulations with electronic health records and things like that. And then, of course, when they do that, in order to pass that, the hospital association says, okay, we'll go to electronic health records, but you're going to have to pay us to, to implement that because it's so expensive. So the big hospital uh, systems and corporations have gotten all kinds of government subsidies to help fund those, quote, innovations that were really central planning um, practices. It, it drove a lot of uh, small physicians, you know, out of business, either to retire or to sell their practice to a hospital. So, so a lot of, you know, a lot of our free market allies and members of the Free Market Medical Association are these independent physicians that are following a direct primary care model where they're telling the insurance companies that they're not going to deal with them anymore. They're not going to have three employees in their office just pushing paperwork to figure out you know how they're going to bill everyone they they've gone to a cash um, subscription model um, and then a lot of specialists of course you know physical therapists we have a lot of physical therapists ear nose and throat specialists uh, orthopedists um, spine surgeons you know all, all across the board we have a lot of people that are involved in this and I think it's just it's time. It's it's so like I've heard um, Ron Paul say before. You know, it's an idea that time has come, and the system has gotten so um, bad that people are looking for solutions. And you know, uh, opting out of insurance, Medicare is just just a great solution for a lot of people now. 
Yeah, and especially uh, you know since Obamacare, with the passage of the Unaffordable Care Act, I guess we like to call it. <laughs> right. Um, people premiums have gone up across the board. So if if your premium on your insurance is as much as your home mortgage, and your deductible for your family is seven or eight thousand dollars, you're really incentivized to start start shopping and finding the best value for your health care again. Well, and consumers need to realize, and that's why, you know, I'm doing a radio show and I'm also writing a book. Consumers need to realize that, you know, they, they vote with their pocketbooks and they can shop around for health care. A lot of this health care stuff is shoppable. So explain explain that a little bit, James. Carey has written a couple of really good books. He's a surgeon at uh, Johns Hopkins University, and um, he says that um, at least 60% of healthcare, sir, medical care, is shoppable, and that, that number is probably even higher than that. Um, it's like a lot of things people want to point to the rare cases that, you know, while I have an emergency, I have to go you know, to the hospital, I don't have time to shop around, but most, you know, medical care is shoppable, and, you know, we we see that because, uh, you know, surveys of people have shown that at least 40% of people are delaying or not, you know, finding medical care because they're just afraid that the price is going to be so high, so obviously... You know, those are things that, you know, they're putting off things they probably should be addressing, but they're just avoiding it because um, they sort of bought into this idea that healthcare has to be a huge, expensive, you know, uh, cost, which it is, unfortunately, primarily because of all of this uh, cronyism that's going on. Well, I think one thing is is that you know the government wants us to think that it's expensive and super expensive, so quote unquote the average person can't afford it, and then of course the government can you know tell you how they have plans to to to, to save it all and to make it so it is affordable. When in reality, they're the ones that cause the problem in the first place. Yeah, I think um, a guy named Bob Lafave once said that uh, government is a is a disease masking as a masquerading as its own cure or something and that's basically what um seemed unfortunately seems to be a common theme that uh politicians are always trying to fix problems that they created in the first place right correct and let's go into that a little bit so you you mentioned the government you believe the government has has um, created this mess so you know expand on that a little bit I mean, the, our healthcare system in the United States really grew, really grew up with the progressive era in a lot of ways. You know, the FDR time and even and even before. And I would suggest anyway, it's not totally related to healthcare, but if you read um, a book by an economist historian called Murray Rothbard, he wrote a book on the progressive era, and. Um, in the progressive, before the progressive era, there were a lot of industries that had tried to um, form these cartels, and they never worked in the free market. They would try to get together and set a price, and and a new competitor would always come along and break, you know, break the 
their price or, or one of the cartel members would would cheat and and come up with a different price so really in the progressive era there was this sort of this mindset that uh, we need we need to have the government step in and protect everybody from you know big business when the reality was it was really a collusion of big business and the government to create regulations and rules and prices that would lock it out you know competition so all of this sort of happened about the same time that you know healthcare was really expanding in the US and of course you know the the original insurance companies were philanthropic more philanthropic organizations nonprofits and some people would argue that that the problem with healthcare is that something that started out as all nonprofit work you know the horrible, you know, capitalism and big business took over, and that's what drove all these prices up. No, I, I would disagree with that. I think, you know, as naturally people did seek more and more medical care and prices, you know, started to rise, rather than let the market figure that out and lower the prices like it does in everything else, um, the government came in and said, we're going to, you know, provide. Uh, Medicare, Medicaid, we're going to basically subsidize care for people. At the same time, they were always restricting the supply side of the equation as well with medical licensing and other type of rules and regulations all throughout, you know, really from the 1960s on through Obamacare. We've had some kind of government intervention that's caused an unintended consequence which then they had to come back later and make a new uh, law or rule that would try to fix the system, but it only made it worse. Yeah, and you know one of the things is is that you know you mentioned you know the FDR era, and that, that's when Social Security came about, of course. And of course, Social Security, when that was able to be passed, that's where Medicare, Medicare, kind of tagged onto that later on, back in the '60s, later on in the '60s. And that's when healthcare prices started to skyrocket. Is when Medicare came into play. You can look at hospital charges, nursing home charges, um, all kinds of healthcare charges, and they just went skyrocketed because there was no free market in place to keep prices down because somebody else was paying the bill. Yeah, and when they tried to, when they started talking about Medicare, doctors didn't want to want it at all. Um, they thought this is socializing you know, medicine, we don't want that to happen, and the way they ended up selling it was that they told doctors that, well, you come up with the price and we'll pay whatever you, you know, what it, you know who, would want, who would not buy into that you know, business model? If you're a business person and you could have guaranteed customers and someone's going to pay the bill, I mean, that just sounded like a great deal. Um, but, you know, that just didn't work out, obviously. So now we have the government, you know, as the payer of at least 50 percent of, you know, health care. And really, you know, that that is uh, like the Soviet uh, system of, you know, government run health care. Yeah, for sure. So what, what the government doesn't directly pay for, they're they're heavily regulating and subsidizing. So really the free market part of medicine is probably a very small, less than 10% of the market right now. 
Yeah, and, and that also, you know, one of the things is when somebody else pays the bill, you know, it also leads to overutilization. And, you know, there's just a ton of that that goes on in our healthcare system, you know, procedures and even surgeries and that need, that are done and they don't need to be done, but because somebody else is paying the bill, you know, they go ahead and get done. Yeah, and in that sense, uh, I mean, Medicare is far worse than Social Security. And Social Security, I would argue, is a, you know, an intergenerational, you know, pyramid scheme. And social and Medicare is the same thing, but it's much worse because the recipient is not getting money. They're getting basically a blank check. They're just, they're just, you know, like given a card or something to say, you know, go where you need to go, and we'll pay the bill. Right. I write about this in my book. My, my book is called Sickened, How the Government Ruined Healthcare and How to Fix It. And many of these principles I, I talk about in my book. You can follow my book on Facebook, um, the Sickened, uh, how, you Ru- how the Government Ruined Healthcare page. Um, I, and that's one of the reasons I started this podcast and radio show because consumers aren't necessarily educated on it. I mean, my wife and I, we've been living this for many years. We've had a pharmacy, Moses Lake Professional Pharmacy, since 1998. And we haven't billed any insurance since 2002. So we have been a cash-only pharmacy, letting the free market set set um, our standards for you know 17 years now. So I believe we are way ahead of the curve. And I believe you're right, James, when it comes to you know, the future of medicine, I think um, the DPC model, which if you guys are not familiar with the DPC model, that's direct primary care on episode two of Health Solutions, we talk about that. And um, I think that's kind of the future. There's going to be two kinds of medicine. There's going to be government medicine and there's going to be um, free market medicine. And I know what I want to be a part of. I don't want the government telling me what kind of health care me or my family can receive. Well, yeah, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, healthcare is, a, is, a, is an essential part of our lives, but so is food and housing and uh, many other things that we, the market provides for those things. And, you know, if, if the government had been, like, delivering milk and bread for the last 40 years, people would today would be saying, well, how would we get milk and bread if it weren't for the government? So, um and everything else that the government is not subsidizing or regulating to the extent that they do healthcare, prices fall because people have to create value for consumers, and the consumer is sovereign in the marketplace. But unfortunately, in healthcare, the consumer is not the pay- like you said, the person using the service. In most cases, is not the payer. So they don't have an incentive to shop. They don't have an incentive to self, you know, you know, limit the amount of service or decide, you know, if if you're going to buy a Toyota or a Cadillac, well, if somebody else is paying for it, I guess I'll take the Cadillac or the Lexus, right? So uh, of course, and it sounds good, right? Right. It sounds good at first, kind of like when the doctors didn't have to worry about what they were charging when when Medicare was first started, and and it sounds great at first. Until all of a sudden, Medicare says, "Well, you don't deserve a Cadillac. Um, all you get is, you know, the cheapest Gremlin we can find." And that's essentially what happens when the government takes over. And you know, and that's that's really what created the you know the managed care organizations like HMOs that came along in the seventies under uh, you know Nixon because 
they realized that oh we're going to have you know we're going to have to ration care somehow and then eventually that's how the insurance carriers became sort of the the people that were in charge of rationing care and and creating this system where you know every you have to go and get like three or four referrals before you can you know see a specialist you know you can't just you know so there there are a lot of a lot of problems that have taking place and then he has to have health insurance and if you don't have it you're uninsured and and you need some kind of government program but i think one thing that we fail to realize is that the best insurance that we have is not something some kind of premium or some kind of policy that we can buy i mean the best insurance we have is how we take care of ourselves how we eat how we exercise how we sleep that's the best insurance we have way better than any kind of policy that we can buy yeah. Well, there, there's definitely a um, a confusion or a, you know a conflation of you know health insurance and health care. People tend to think that you know coverage equals care, and that's definitely not the case. Yeah, that is totally. You know, what we're seeing with these you know high deductible plans and the way that the the hospitals and the insurance companies create these phony prices and discount and in a lot of cases even if you have insurance you're better off to leave your insurance card in the car when you go to the doctor because you know the the price might be so high that even after your insurance pays you know what they say they will pay um your your out-of-pocket cost is even higher than what it would have been if you just paid cash so yeah, absolutely. And a lot of people don't realize that. That's one of the things. They they, they think they have to use their insurance because it's some benefit their employer buys for them or they get from the government or whatever. But in reality, you know, many times paying cash, you're, you're much better off and you get better service many times because you don't have to jump through all the hoops. Yeah, I think, I think, um, I think more and more um, doctors will follow this model but I think they're just afraid maybe afraid that um, that you know they've they've been in, in this system for so long it's just all they know maybe um, they also you know it's easy to be part of a network where customers just show up uh, but in the free market you know you have to do a little more work you have to uh, market yourself and you have to um demonstrate on a regular basis that you're a quality, you know, your, your service is quality. And that's why these direct primary care um, practices are becoming popular so fast is because once, once a person experiences the customer service from a doctor that has to please them as a customer and, you know, they, they, they don't want to go back to the other system. Yeah, that's sure. That's that's for sure. And unfortunately, a lot of a lot of um, patients haven't had that experience because they don't know any different. But there is a huge difference for sure because, really, when you look at it in in our typical healthcare model, our typical healthcare system, the, the patient is not the customer because they're not the one paying the bill. Um, you know, the customer is the insurance company or or the government, and and you sometimes those go hand in hand. Um, so those, that's actually the customer. So really, honestly, that's who they're giving the best treatment to, not necessarily the patient. And that's why a lot of times service is not the best in those kind of organizations. 
Right. You're just a, a billing code, and you go to the doctor, and you're only in the doctor's office for five or ten minutes while they enter some code in this, you know, government-mandated uh, or insurance through insurance-mandated through the government uh, billing system. And right. So that's their main goal is to get the correct billing code in there, get you out the door as fast as possible so they can get paid something. So what do you think the, the government's role is in, in, in health care? You, you don't agree with what they've done. You think they've ruined it. So what is their role? Because they're definitely deep in it. Well, they need to facilitate or, I guess, let the free market work as much as possible. Of course, we would like to eliminate a lot of the things that they've done. I don't have any hope that they're going to, but at least um, at least um, allow the free market to compete, obviously. I mean, we don't want the, the government to come in and say that, you know, cash providers is a, are against the law. I mean, that would be the absolute worst thing that could happen. So don't do anything else. We would prefer them to just stay out. One thing that I guess government could do is that the there are a lot of government employees, and they all have health care. And so we as taxpayers could lean on our um, state, federal government to say, hey, with all these um, government employees, we want to make sure as taxpayers that you're using our money wisely and direct the, direct those uh, government employees to the, the best value uh, providers and and show them that there are high you know high quality low cost providers out there and so I think we could demand that transparency um, we could you know we I don't necessarily feel that the government needs to mandate price transparency because I think the, these uh, truly free market transparent providers we just need to get the word out about who they are um, but but we, uh, at, the, at the same time, why not say that, okay, these government contracts that, uh, that are out there with uh, hospital systems, you know, we want some open records to see, you know, what those contracts look like and why are you – why is my state government um, contracting for state employees to go to a higher-cost uh, provider – and I think what you'll find out, if you really dug deep, is the reason that's happening is because the hospital CEOs are on some board and they're politically connected. So you know they don't want that just you know that transparency to be revealed. Yeah, I'm sure if we right, I'm sure if we dove into it and followed the money, that's exactly where it where it comes from. Um, so back with the Free Market Medical Association. So um, how many members do you guys have? Oh, we have about 300, a little more than 300 um, active members. We have a lot of um, affiliated uh, members as well, but uh, that's primarily um, doctors, physicians, surgery centers, but we also have a lot of uh, free market facilitators that are providing value. So a transparent third-party administrator that provides services for an employer, um, free market friendly consultants or brokers that are working for the employer and, and not getting huge uh, bonuses from an insurance carrier in exchange for, you know, making sure that your premiums go up every year. So 
a lot of um, valuable facilitators and also a lot of a lot more and more self-funded employers are coming ar around to this because if an employer is self-insuring and paying out of their operating expenses for their employees' health care, they are not they are not giving control of their health care plan totally over to um, an insurance carrier. So they can look at all the claims data. You know, there's still privacy with the employees, but they can say, okay, last year we paid $100,000 for a procedure that we could have gotten at, you know, a free market provider for 20000 So a lot of times it only takes three or four procedures for a company to save hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah, that's that's just incredible. In, incredible. Um, so what is, in the future, where do you see the Free Market Medical Association going? Well, we're growing all, all the time. We're adding uh, several new members every month. We have um, local chapters in a lot of states, I think we have up to about 26 local chapters. Just in the last few months, we've added local chapters in uh, Amarillo, Texas, San Antonio, Texas, Arizona, Colorado, uh, San Francisco, and Montana. So as these uh, free market providers are, are starting up all around the country, a lot of them are are deciding to form a local chapter of the Free Market Medical Association and that way they can really like teach these ideas to their community, bring in employers in their area, bring in uh, brokers that are willing to follow this model. But I mean, the key is there are a lot of people that make a lot of money off the broken system. Um, and, and the people that are really getting the shaft are in a lot of ways, the doctors are getting accused, you know, the doctors are taking a lot of blame for the cost being so high when they really shouldn't be because, you know, a, a physician or surgeon doing the same procedure at a nonprofit hospital in most cases will be making less money on that procedure than they would if they were doing it at the cash uh, facility like the Surgery Center of Oklahoma. Uh, so most of the money is going to the hospital systems, the hospital administrators, you know, all of that. They're built, you know, hospitals are always building new wings to their buildings, just like the, like universities do. You know, there's always a crane at a hospital or a university, and there's a reason for that. It's because there's a lot of money flowing from the federal government and from all of this um, opacity in the system. Um, insurance Insurance companies are making a lot of money. Uh, brokers really have no incentive for the most part to adopt the free market model because they're making lots of bonuses and kickbacks from the insurance carrier. So I mean, we're fighting an uphill battle, but I think, I think people are starting to get it. This is starting to grow and, and get more attention across the country. Yeah, I, I'm so glad you're out there, and I, I love sharing sharing the information because you know people do need to know that they do have they are empowered. They are empowered for their own health, their own health care, and and they can shop around, and they don't have to take no for an answer or take yes for an answer for that matter. There's there's lots of options. So is there in in my state of Washington, James? Is there 
a um, free market medical association affiliate? Uh, we don't have a local chapter, but uh, there are a number of uh, direct primary care practices in Washington. I think now there's a thousand uh, DPC or more around the country. Um, I know at least one uh, transparent surgery center. I think it's the Pacific Surgical Institute in um, Long. Is it Longview? Longview, Washington. okay. Yeah. But outside of that, even well, yeah. Um, outside of that, even that uh, we always say you can go to you can you can go to the Surgery Center of Oklahoma's website, or you can go to the FMMA uh, Shop Health website and look up a procedure get see what the cash price would be you can lots of people now are finding out about this and they're doing that and then they're going to their local hospital and saying you know if you're not if you don't give me this price i can easily get on a plane now and go to oklahoma or or austin texas we have the texas free market surgery in austin has really uh grown quite a bit so I mean, employers are finding this out, and they're flying their uh, employees across the country, putting them in a hotel for a week, maybe giving them a a thousand dollar stipend to spend while they're, you know, on vacation to get a surgery because they still, you know, saved thirty percent. So, I mean, medical tourism is alive and well, and not just outside the U.S. People are traveling all around the country to find these cash uh, free market providers so do it that's right that's wonderful to hear so you guys have an annual conference the free market medical association has an annual conference every year is that correct yeah we have an annual conference uh the first uh, this is this will be a, our sixth one i believe uh it's going to be in april uh april 30th through may the 2nd in dallas texas uh you do well you don't have to be a member to attend but the, you know, the price is significantly less if you are a member. So um, this year we really plan on focusing on the employers and how they can really telling those success stories of these employers that are really creating a valuable health plan again for their employees because, you know, people have always traditionally said that they're happy with their employer health plan, but over the last several years, I mean, people's health plans, even with their employer, the premiums are going up and up and up, and their deductibles are rising. So it's really encouraging that there are employers out there now that are seeing that they can actually save and save money on their health plan by directing their employees to these free market providers. At the same time, they can do this and offer their employees free health care, essentially. I mean... They save so much money by their employee going to a free market provider that they can tell their employee that it will not cost you a penny. It's not going to cost you any deductible, not you know, no copay. You know, what's there not to like about that? Yeah, they're they're saving a lot of money for sure. Um, so you mentioned earlier about shopping healthcare. Did you mention? I forget that guy's name. Did you mention his book? Yeah, well, Marty McCary, his latest book is called The Price We Pay, and he has traveled all over the country and talked to, he's really been an advocate for patients, you know, even though he's a very 
well-respected um, pancreatic surgeon at Johns Hopkins, he has really gotten involved in exposing these ridiculous uh, bills that patients have been charged and really, you know, providing some, um, obviously he's pointing out that, you know, this, a lot of these prices are a farce and he doesn't like it because it's, he sees it as a bad reflection on his profession. And, you know, like he said, like I said earlier, physicians are oftentimes the ones that take the the blame in a lot of this when the, the blame should be much higher than that. Yeah, it's definitely a system problem. It's not a problem with, with physicians or even individual healthcare providers, whether they're a pharmacist or a nurse or whatever. It's a it's a system issue. It's nothing personal for sure. Um, so, you know, one of my goals is to teach people how to navigate around the system, you know, or at least through the system, mostly around the system because it's hard to navigate through it. So, um, now, we were talking earlier and you talked about healthcare being personal instead of collective. Can you can you comment on that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I mean, I think words are important and um, as long as we continue to talk about the healthcare system and what we can do to fix it, it really it's really a false it's almost a, an illusion to think that we can fix the system. That really, I mean, in the, from a central planning standpoint, that healthcare is personal. Everyone's idea of what healthcare looks like is different. You know, just like everything else. I mean, it's a personal preference, and it's subjective. And so, for us to take something that is subjective and has subjective subjective value to it, since everyone values, you know, healthcare differently, just like they value you know, what kind of restaurant they want to eat at. Some people prefer fast food. Some people prefer, you know, fine dining. So, I mean, your, your mind, your mindset of how you look at healthcare is different. So it's, I think it's kind of a bad thing for us to think, well, we have this health. I mean, obviously the system, there is a such thing as a system. The system is broken, but I think we need to get out of this collectivist mindset. And really the whole free market medical movement is, about starting from the from the ground up between you know, the lowest possible level uh, restoring the doctor patient relationship and right. if you're in if you insert yourself into that relationship in some way if you're an insurance company or or whatever you know what value are you adding are you are you facilitating that direct relationship between the patient and the doctor or are you impeding that relationship somehow and so the farther we get away from that direct relationship the more problems occur because no one in Washington can really have any solutions any more than you know central planning doesn't work in any other um, any other business either you know so you can't have I mean, the, the Soviet Union tried it, that, you know, in the system, if you don't have a price system, you have no way of knowing how to allocate resources. So all you end up doing is the federal government just throws money in, out, and where the money ends up going are the people that are the most closely affiliated with the government. And so obviously that's going to be the cronies that can hire the lobbyists to 
pass the law. So that's why any, anything you have that's try, that you try to do at the federal level is going to be corrupted in most cases. Yeah, that's, that's for sure. So um, let's wrap it up here. Um, do you have anything else to add at all? I just appreciate you uh, sort of getting the word out about, you know, what we're doing and appreciate, you know, what you're doing, uh, that, you know, you're, you're living proof that it can be done. I mean, I think we shouldn't kid ourselves that this is not an easy thing to do. I mean, people that, one thing that we try to do is we try to help show um, uh, facilities like surgery centers and and doctors how they can transition and you know we can talk about this a lot of in you know about the ideas and why it should work but it's really it's really not an easy task um, because there's so much that's going against against us with with all of the you know the cronyism that that goes on and the and it and we just need to educate more people well, thank you. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And thank you for your compliments. And we do. We need, to, we, need, we need to empower consumers and let them know that they are the drivers. And they're the ones that can make this change. It is, it is up to them. So we need to let them know that. And I appreciate you being, being on our episode today, James. And we're going to wrap this up. This is another episode of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Thank you so much.